It is your money. Hello and welcome. I'm Susie Jones, inviting you to listen for the next hour as we talk all things money, all things tax planning, proactive tax planning. And I'm happy to have the opportunity to welcome to the program the founder of Wealth Enhancement Group and Financial Advisor Bruce Helmer and Senior Vice President and Financial Advisor Peg Webb. Welcome to both of you. Nice to hear from you. Nice to be back. Good morning, Susie. Good morning, Bruce. Hi, Peg. Thank you, Susie Jones, and thanks for the great introduction. It's right on point. You know, Peg, in in recent weeks, I feel like um, some of it has been us bringing some of these topics to the table, and some of it has been in response to client uh, questions. But we've talked a lot about uh, tax planning now. We had a show where we talked about how taxes are on sale and as Susie said, today we're going to talk about proactive tax planning. And we, what listeners need to understand, what we mean by this is under the current tax laws. So the last uh, tax act that passed, uh, what, 2017, whatever uh, it was, by law, those laws were set to end or sunset, or the, the law is set to go back to the way it was, before that law was passed at the end of 2025. So if nothing changes, Congress doesn't take any additional action between now and then, and of course they might, but we don't know what they'll do. But what we do know is the law is scheduled to go back to the way it was in 2017, which for a lot of people means a higher tax rate than what they're paying right now. So we wanted to talk today about what will change unless uh, Congress uh, passes a different law? What, I mean, what, what is it specifically that we're talking about? And what can people do about it before we get there? Because, again, when we talk about tax planning, we're talking about legally minimizing your taxes over your lifetime, which sometimes might mean paying a little bit more now so you pay a lot less later and you pay net less over a long period of time or over your lifetime. So let's jump into it. Proactive tax planning, Peg. What's actually going to, what's scheduled to change at the end of 2025? Yeah, one thing I want to do before we start is um, just let listeners know that we're open and willing to answer any questions, Um, maybe not all questions on taxes, but any questions that you have out there, uh, the studio line is open, 651-461-9226. Wanted to mention that because, Bruce, you had mentioned that we have been talking about these taxes changing, and I think we're talking about it a lot because it's a really big deal. And we only have until the end of 2025 and who knows? I don't think anything's going to change between now and the next election. But boy, are we going to start hearing about it. Because I don't know if, if uh, you guys remember that um, there was a suggestion made not too long ago that higher income people, like a million dollars or more, that instead of the um, capital gains brackets, and we'll talk about this a little later, that is capped at 20%, Um, there was a proposal out there to make that double, 39.6, go like to the highest tax bracket that we used to have before the reform of 2017. So anyone, if you want to ask us questions, go ahead. But let's talk about this changing tax policy. What's interesting, Bruce, is 
for Congress to get something to pass, and I have to tell you, I'm so familiar with the fact that no one, absolutely no one, can look beyond a certain date, right? So when they talk about reform, and when they talked about this tax reform, the only way that it could get passed is to have some date in the future that we know that we're going to revert back to what it was. That actually allows you know, Congress uh, to have time to look at maybe the current situations of things and then make changes if they can. But if they don't make any changes, um, the, what really happened here is that they restructured the tax brackets. And what do I mean by that? Well, you know, we have, we currently still have all these tax brackets. We have 10%, 12%, 22%, blah, blah, blah. Well, it used to be 15, and then it went to 12, 25 went to 22, 28 went to 24. You get the drift, right? It's just percentages down. But not only did they change that, but then they raised the dollars that were at those lower taxes. And the big, big change here that actually is not on our outline, and I want to uh, make people aware, and I'm sure you're aware because you do your taxes every year, is that along with that, do you remember, Bruce, every single client almost itemized? So they'd take that itemized sheet and they'd write off their medical and they'd write off all their state and local taxes. And even if they had three homes, they were able to write off. And then mortgage interest. I remember the day when if you had a mortgage, you know, you could take all the deduction on your debt on your house as a, as a, a, a I call them write-offs. Well, that was a big change because now many, many people are doing standard deduction because what they did, Bruce, is they actually doubled the standard deduction. The whole premise here, and then I'll hand it back to you, Bruce, is the whole premise was, you know, how do we lessen the burden really on the IRS? Because think of all the gazillions of tax returns that are coming in. If most more, I should say not most, but if more people just did a standard deduction return, then less compliance or, you know, taxing, different type of taxing, taxing on the IRS to either process those or audit those. Bruce? Yeah, Peg, thank you. That's a really good summation of kind of what's happened and how we got to where we are. Thank you for doing that. I would add that not only did it make it simpler for the government, for the IRS, but for most Americans filing a tax return. If you don't have to, you know, add everything up to, to figure out those deductions, if you can just take a number that's given to you, it simplifies the tax preparation. Now, unfortunately, I think I have a lot of clients, Peg, and I bet you do too, they still have to do the math to add up their deductions because they don't know the deductions if they, if they claim everything, if that number will be greater than or less than the standard deduction just given to them. So many of my clients still have to do the extra work anyway to determine whether or not they're going to itemize or take the standard deduction. But to your point, and I don't know the exact percentages, but clearly millions more Americans now are just taking that standard deduction rather than itemizing. Hopefully the, the, the law is simplifying things for the tax preparer, for the consumer, for the government. And again, this is one of the things that's going to change 
unless Congress passes a new law. This is going to sunset or come to an end at the end of 2025. At such time, things will go back the way they were. Yeah, I think, too, Bruce, do you remember when they used to talk about a flat tax? Like across yeah. the board, we would all pay, I don't know what the number was even at the time, maybe it was 15, I think it was 20%. There's still some proposals out there of flat tax, but when I look at today's um, tax system, it's almost kind of like a modified flat tax, meaning the, there are people out there that still get to itemize and do their thing, but then there's just a lot more people that are doing the standard deduction in their um their return is a lot easier. But, you know, having a, a flat tax, I think the the idea there would be really lessening the burden on the IRS at all. Remember, didn't we just say a couple months ago about 185,000 people that the IRS is hiring because they're so short-staffed? And, and actually, there was a stat the other day that I read where they're, they're – gaining a lot of traction, right? There's people out there that are, are trying to um, be not, uh, less than honest with their tax returns, and maybe they don't even file. So the stat was out a couple of days ago of how they are catching these people that are just blatantly, you know, not paying their tax. So, but what I want to talk to today about, and we have it on our outline here, and I know we've talked about it before, but we only have a couple of years left and I doubt that they're going to change anything between now, you know, we got this election coming up and the, the end of 2025, but you're going to be hearing a lot about it. Like I said earlier. So what are we doing? Well, um, we're accelerating income. So if people have the ability to raise their income at these lower rates, then maybe you, do that this year and up through 2025. And how do you do that? Well, simply, you can uh, take a distribution out of your IRA that's fully taxable. Now, mind you, 59 and a half or older so that you avoid that penalty because there's an additional penalty if you take money prior to that age. But just take a distribution from there. And it doesn't have to be big. I think a lot of people think, well, if I take an IRA distribution, does it have to be 50000 No, it could be 5000 It could be $10,000. Um, your 401k, same thing. Any type of deferred account you could take a withdrawal from. And I like the idea, Bruce, of doing estimates on your taxes ahead of time. So what we're finding is that this is a huge pet peeve of mine. So regular listeners are going to know this is a pet peeve of mine. And what it is, is the, the window of time that tax preparers have to get your return in by April 15th or whatever the date is, they're doing thousands and thousands of returns and they don't have time to really sit down with the client anymore or ask them questions. And besides, it's too late. You have to make decisions on your tax planning the year prior. You can't wait until you go to the CPA or the accountant and they're going to do your tax return and say, oh, you should have maybe taken another 10000 out of your IRA because it would have been at a low bracket. That's comprehensive planning. That's what we do the year before. We're trying to help clients get in a better position long term and take advantage of um, these lower rates today. Bruce? 
Yeah, and um, I wanted to go back, Peg, before we go forward. You know, in terms of, you know, we're talking about all or nothing, that if, if Congress doesn't pass any laws, everything's going to go back to the way it was. What they might be able to do, rather than, you know, revamp the whole law, is there may, may be agreement, uh, bipartisan support, on keeping certain parts of it. For example, they might say, we're not going to lower the standard deduction, you know, back down and cut it in half again. We're going to leave that at uh, whatever it is, 24,000 or 27,000. We're going to we're going to leave that alone, but tax rates are going to go back. So there may be they might be able to like carte blanche like a menu decide certain things that they're going to keep and not change. But the other thing I hear a lot uh, from clients peg is, well, how do you know that my taxes are going to go up? And again, I don't know that for sure. I just know the way the law is written and what's going to happen um, if nothing changes. And based on that, and based on you know, we we all the all the time we hear of you know government spending too much, increasing our debt and our deficit. At some point, you know, we've got to pay for all the money that we're spending. So you look at that. You look at where taxes have been historically. And people don't believe this because everybody that pays taxes now thinks, thinks it's horrible and they're paying way too much. And when I tell them that based on historically where rates have been, they're actually near the, the lowest they've ever been. So I tell my clients all the time, look, I don't know that your taxes will be higher after 2025. Um, they might not be. But I'm highly confident that they're not going to go down, that they're never going to be lower than they are than they are right now. You might be unchanged in the future. You might be the same. Um, but I don't think you're going to go down. I think you're either going to be the same or you're going to go up. And if we're right, again, then what specific things can we help people with, clients and today listeners, Peg, what specific things should they be looking at potentially doing now over the next few years? Yes. So one of the things, as I mentioned, was just taking a distribution out of a taxable account. Um, another thing is, is, is I know a lot of you out there and a lot of my clients, they reinvest their qualified distributions from a taxable account. So maybe what you do is you position yourself to pay the taxes on the dividends or the capital gains today. If you're trying to avoid that, then maybe you consider paying it now instead of in the future. This is so painful for people, Bruce, though. I mean, I'm sitting, I'm picturing myself now sitting at my desk across from a client saying, I think you should pay, you know, an additional tax of $10,000 on this withdrawal that you want to make. And they're like, seriously? Who in the world would pay taxes today if you can just delay it until the future? Well, there's a lot of reasons that people do that. And one is, we did, did an entire show and we did like a half a show on Roth conversions and we gave um, so many details of why would you take an IRA and convert it to a Roth and pay tax today. And if you missed those shows, I just want to say again that our, we have a specific web page for the radio show. It's wealthenhancement.com backslash back um, slash your money, your money. And the reason I say that, Bruce, is because our radio shows are on there. And if you scroll down, you can see every single week radio show. So if you 
we just went into so many details of the pros of doing a Roth conversion that that also plays into this. You don't have to do a Roth conversion with taking money out of your IRA. You could actually take the money and go buy something or put it in your um, savings account or invest it differently. Also, because required minimum distributions are something that all of us will face. If you've deferred money in a 401k or an IRA at some time, now they just pushed the date out to 73 years old and it's going all the way up to 75 at a later date years old, but we all are gonna be forced to take that out. So does it make sense to be earning money in an account that's getting bigger and bigger, hopefully, and that you will have to pay tax on um, and you're forced to, I find that a lot of people that um, come in to see us as a new potential client, they've deferred everything. They have barely have any after-tax money, which actually limits them in how they live or how much they can withdraw or control their tax bracket. So, Bruce, those are just a couple things, a couple reminders. And then also, you really do control your long-term tax rate, but we're talking about this aggressively because of this um, reversion to possibly be before the reform. Bruce? So what, what you're talking about, Peg, is you know taking distributions, taking withdrawals from a tax-deferred account, paying the tax now. And I, and I laugh when you said that because I understand you're telling a client to increase their withdraw from a tax-deferred account that's going to increase their taxes this year. And of course, they're going to look at you like you're crazy and say, why would I want to do that? And I think what we have to show them and what we, what we do is that by not doing that, we can project the size of the account and that when they have to take distributions at some point anyway, because it's not avoidable, maybe they're going to pay on those withdrawals at 22 cents on the dollar, 22% but they can take distributions now at 12%. And I'd much rather you know, get taxed at 12% than 22%. So we can show them how even though they're paying a little bit more now, they'll pay a lot less later and they'll pay less over a lifetime. But you have to kind of show them the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow because nobody wants to pay more taxes now than they have to if they can help it. So Again, that's comprehensive planning, and like you said, it might be uh, withdrawals that we convert from tax-deferred to tax-advantaged or move it into a Roth, or it might just be money that you use for lifestyle, for income. Now, the other caveat, though, that we should mention, these tax-deferred accounts, we mentioned there's going to be a date where withdrawals are mandatory. For a lot of you listening, it's going to be 73, but it might change again. For years and years and years and years, it was always 70 and a half, but now it's changed a couple of times with the two secure acts. But the other thing, Peg, is if there's listeners right now saying, oh, well, I want to jump on this. It sounds like a good idea, but they're only 55. There can be a 10% premature withdrawal penalty on these accounts. You're not supposed to withdraw until you're 59 and a half. So we're talking to people in that sweet spot that are 59 and a half or older, but they haven't yet reached required minimum distribution age. Peg, last word, and then we should go take a break. The other real motivator right now is there was another change in the SECURE Act as to how your beneficiaries, how the tax is treated for them. 
So most people know now that that, those inherited IRAs have to be completely gone in 10 years. And they just made a ruling this year that says, oh, and by the way, the inherited IRAs, you have to take a distribution each year of those 10 years. So it's, it's gotten now where, well, maybe your beneficiary is in a higher tax bracket than you are. So we look at that um, as well, Bruce. Yep, Susie, before we go to break, the, the, the key here is these tax-deferred accounts, somebody's going to pay the tax. Either you're going to pay the tax when you're alive, when you withdraw it, or if you leave it to your kids, they're going to pay the tax. But the IRS is not going to forget this IOU that, uh, that somebody owes them money. Uh, Susie, let's take a break. We'll finish this discussion the second half and hopefully get listeners involved as well. All right, and we'll tell you how you can get involved. If you're listening and you have a question for Bruce or Peg right now, I want you to pick up your phone, either call us, and you can jump on the air at 651-461-9226. And as always, if you don't want to be on the phone and you just want to text your question to us at 651-461-9226, we already have... A number of questions coming in from our listeners, 651-461-9226. Welcome back. It is your money, and we have, once again, Bruce Helmer and Peg Webb available to take your questions at 651-461-9226. Bruce, Peg, do you want to recap before we take questions or jump right in? Uh, Thank you, Susie. I'll do a quick recap, and then I think Peg wanted to hit at least one more thing, and then uh, then we'll definitely want to get as many questions as we can. So, listeners, if you joined us late, um, we talked about in the first half of the show being proactive with your tax planning. Under current tax law, the, the tax cuts that uh, occurred, I think it was 2017, are set to end or sunset at the end of 2025, meaning then rates would go back to what they were before, which for some of you is going to be higher taxes. Some of you will remain unchanged but many of you will have higher taxes. So we're talking about what we can do between now and then. And we spent a lot of time talking about taking withdrawals or distributions from your tax-deferred accounts, your traditional 401k or traditional IRA, taking withdrawals and either taking that money and moving it to a Roth, which means you have to pay the tax on the withdrawal, and or just using it for, for income, for lifestyle, if you want more income or you want to spend more money. And many people will react negatively to that idea at first because they're saying, why would I do that? If I take that withdrawal, that's going to increase my taxes this tax year. That's true. But it might reduce your taxes a lot over your lifetime because you'll pay less in the future, a lot less in the future by paying a little bit more now. So we talked a lot about conversions. We talked about the sweet spot from 59 and a half until required minimum distribution, which for many people is now 73. But Peg, there was one or two other things you wanted to hit before we got to listeners. Peg? Yeah, thanks, Bruce. I wanted to mention, because it was a significant change back in 2017, is estate and gift taxes. So today, individuals can transfer up to $12.92 million apiece, uh, and, and married couples, if you're a married couple, $25.84 million. What that means is you've created a ton of wealth over your lifetime. And when you pass away, there's actually an estate tax um, over and above a given dollar amount. Well, that 25.84 
Um, that used to be, it was close to 10 million, um, 12 million, something like that. Very, let's see, the numbers were, uh, let's see, 5.5 million a piece to 11.2 million. So that's a huge jump, 25.84 million for a joint couple. So that would actually refer back. So what are we doing now? Um, if Congress takes no action, then historically the high exemption amounts will revert back. But we're actually, um, a lot of clients are making annual cash gifts uh, to individuals. So every one of us can give away up to 17000 a year to anyone, and doesn't have to be a relative, it could be a neighbor, it could be a friend, but then what's the big deal about that? Well, that lessens your overall net worth so that when the numbers are looked at when you pass away, that won't be taxed. And by the way, you don't have to fill out any kind of form unless, let's say, here's an example, a client wanted to give a grandchild 25000 in one particular year, one individual, then you fill out an IRS form 709. And that form simply just states, I gave 25000 away, I, I had 17000 exemption, I now lessened my overall transfer or my free, you know, money when I die off of $12.92 million. So there's just no tax to pay, but you have to fill out the form. What I'm seeing, Bruce, now is on 529 accounts, we had a show on this too, college saving accounts, is you can give five years of that 17000 in one year to a 529 for a particular grandchild or uh, anybody you want to. And why would somebody do that? Because if indeed you're truly trying to lower your overall net worth that the IRS looks at, it may behoove you to do that in a single year. Um, and then another thing that Bruce, that our comprehensive planning department does is they look at different types of trusts. So if you have multiple, you know, future generations that you're trying to structure who gets what, a little bit more complex, but we've been helping clients with setting up those trusts while the amount that you could die with is 25.84 million as a joint um, couple can utilize today because that's going to drop if everything goes the way they have it structured today back to that 11.2 million. Bruce? Um, yeah, and, and I know I'm showing my age here, Peg, but I think you probably remember too. I remember when for years and years and years and years, the excluded amount at the federal level was $650,000. Yes. And so even if it, you know, when people say, you know, I don't believe taxes are, you know, are, are better than they've ever been. Trust me, when you look at that history, we're, we're actually in a very um, friendly place right now from a tax standpoint. And I know, I hope people are hanging in there. We're going to go let them drive the show the rest of the way. I, I think, Peg, some people, I don't want to talk about taxes. Taxes are confusing. Taxes are boring. Why do you always talk about it? And I'm sorry if anyone feels that way, but I'm telling you, reducing your tax liability, finding strategies to cut your taxes 
so you get to keep more is one of the single most efficient ways as advisors that we can add to your return on investment, that we can enhance your ROI. If we, it, It's not about the, the total return that you make. It's about what you get to keep. If we reduce your taxes and you keep more, that enhances your net return on investment. This is a big deal. This is important stuff. Peg, any last words or should we go to Susie with calls? Well, really quick, remember how nervous we were about the debt ceiling not getting raised and, you know, yeah. that we owe so much money as a government? I think that's just a little sign, too, about the future, right? We have to try to collect more taxes. Who we're going to collect it from is unknown at this point, but I think there's going to be a lot of pressure, Bruce. Yep, I agree. So, again, we don't know what's going to happen in the future. We know the way the law is written now. We don't know when or if it'll change. And uh, the, the bottom, bottom line is, is there's opportunities today that may not be there in the future, and you've still got time to take advantage of these planning strategies. Um, if, you, if, you're, if you're not working with an advisor and you're interested in taking a deeper dive on this, we'd love to help you. But any good financial advisor should be able to help you look at these things and, and uh and, and things that you can do now that will help you a lot in the future. Susie, let's let listeners take us the rest away. Okay, very good. This texture writes in, Good morning. On my regular equity account, I can take losses from any gains. My question is, can I deduct losses from my traditional or Roth IRA from any gains in the non-IRA accounts? Does that make sense? It does. Yeah, I okay. think I know what you're asking, Susie Pig. I, I, there's, it, there's a lot of confusion about this, about basis and gains and deducting losses and paying taxes on gains. And there's a lot of confusion on the difference between a taxable account or a non-qualified account as compared to a tax-deferred IRA or a Roth IRA. Um, I, I'm not surprised by these types of questions anymore. I get them all the time. Um, can you kind of cover that from A to Z? Yeah, I, I, I can probably do it in, in short order here. So if you have a taxable account, and let's say you have you know, stock market exposure, you have equities, and you have losses in them, and you decide you want to take a loss, so let's say you invested 10000 and now it's worth 5000 So now you have a $5,000 loss for your income tax. You can put that on your income tax return, but the only amount that's allowed is 3000 per year. So then you carry over the next 2000 for the next tax year, and you're able to use that 2000 Now, if you had gains in the same year that you took that $5,000 loss, those gains would cross, if you will, with those losses. So let's say you had a $5,000 gain and now you have a $5,000 loss. Those would net each other. But if you had an $8,000 loss and a $5,000 gain, you would still be able to take the $3,000 off your ordinary income as a loss. So that's generally. Now a Roth IRA where you put after-tax money in to grow tax-free you know, over time, to be able to take a withdrawal so that those earnings are also tax-free, there is no loss ability. There is no capital gains you know, on a Roth. So they are treated completely different. And what I mean by that is 
a non-Roth, which is called a, a non-qualified account, and a Roth, which is actually an IRA, but very much different than a traditional IRA. Bruce? Yeah, and the only thing I will add is, I, I, I again, sometimes the question, I'm, I'm, I'm confused that, that people don't understand, but then other times I, I get it, because what, what you have to remember is that a, a, a contribution to a traditional IRA, you got a deduction for the contribution. Then the earnings that are being applied, you're not, you're not getting a 1099 and you're not paying any taxes. So anything you take out of there is going to be taxable. It's so that you don't have to wonder what is my basis, what is my gain, because none of the dollars were ever taxed. Whereas on the Roth, it's an after-tax contribution. You don't get a deduction. So it does matter what your investment was versus the total amount or what the gain was. But again, because that's potentially a tax-free strategy, if you leave it in there for at least five years or until age 59 and a half, that's going to be a different kettle of fish than normal taxable or non-qualified account. So again, I, I get the confusion. And no matter how many times we talk about it or address it on this show, there's probably still going to be people that will end up being confused. And you know, again, talk to your tax preparer or your financial advisor and get some clarity if you're confused. It's a it's a good question. It's a fair question. Um, and Peg, you did a great job answering it. But I'm, I'm guessing even uh, as well as you did, and I tried to add to your answer, I'm thinking there's still people out there listening to us right now that are still mm-hmm. confused. All right, six five yeah, six five one four six one nine two two six. We have questions coming in. This is an easy one for both of you. Even if not sure if you even know this yet, are you guys going to be at the state fair this year? Was the question. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a little bit out there, but I'm not sure yet if that's on the books. But you guys can answer if you know. Big, have you heard anything? I have not heard anything. All right. Well, we'll keep you posted, and next week, when we know, we'll let you know. This next text. So, Susie, oh, yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Just but but so for for listeners that don't know, for years and years and years, we used to do our show out there two two weeks in a row live at the fair, and then COVID changed everything. Yes. It's one of the reasons COVID. We're you know we also used to do the show all together in the same studio, looking at each other smiling faces. <laughs> And today we don't. We're we're three different locations. Mm-hmm. And so we haven't been back to the fair since COVID. Mm-hmm. I don't know what's going to happen, but that's why I'm sure the person is asking the question, because I know a lot of people, and I'm flattered by it, did like to come out and see us live mm-hmm. at the fair and talk to us, you know, and commercials and, and, and you know, I, I, I enjoy it. And I just, I don't know what's going to happen, but I, I understand why people are wondering. Yeah, right. Well, we'll we'll keep on it, and as we get more information, we'll pass it along to you. This next texter writes at 651-461-9226, I'm hearing proposals of a possible national sales tax. Would that hurt people who have Roths? So we paid the tax on them, and now we would have to pay again when we spend it. Can you kind of address that? Have you heard about a national sales tax proposal? I think it's, <laughs> I actually think it's always in the works, right? Because there's um, different, 
people have different opinions of how we should raise uh, revenue, you know, for all the things that our government gives us. But so if there's a national sales tax, the way I've always, um, in my mind, you know, would think about that is it's like a consumption tax, right? Because the more that you spend, you know, the more that you're going to give uh, for taxes. So I don't know of any, um, well, you know, I would say, I would say that it's always on the table and there's been percentages thrown out there, 20%, 30%, um, you know, um, you know, and everywhere in between. So am I a fan of it? I, I don't really have an opinion at this point. I more so look at it more so as like a flat tax than I would a national um, sales tax. Bruce? Yeah, this is something that's been, you know, floating around and comes up all, you know, for years and years and years and it's never happened. I don't envision it happening anytime soon. Um, and I'm also not sure if I totally understand the texter's question in terms of if there was some sort of a sales tax, you know, I'm not sure how that impacts, you know, your Roth IRA. I mean, because a sales tax yeah. would be what you spend money on, but if you if you take money out of your Roth and plop it in another invest, investment and you don't buy anything, you're not taxed on it. You're taxed on money you spend no matter where it comes from if there's a national sales tax. So I don't think that's you know, if that were to happen, I don't think that's a reason not to do a Roth just because we have to pay more taxes on the things that we buy. We're still going to pay less income taxes on, on our investments, and there's still advantages even if we're taxed on the things that we buy. But, yeah, that's one of those uh, that I've been hearing about forever. It never seems to gain any, any traction. I don't see it happening anytime soon. Susie? All right. We have another question. This texter writes, I have a tax-deferred supplemental retirement account with about $250,000 in it. I'm 75 years old and married. I can withdraw the funds from one to five years. Once it's done, it can't be changed. Would I be advised to initiate a three-year withdrawal starting this year in order to take advantage of the current tax law and then reinvest the funds, I guess, there? Oh, what, what a good question, Peg. Thoughts? That that truly ties into what we're talking about today. Um, you may consider this one to three year distribution. It'd be interesting to know, though, how much ordinary income you have today and how much that would raise your income. And um, what I suggest, like I just said earlier in the show, is you should do a tax estimate. It's still... Uh, baffles me, Bruce, how many people just wait till April and go, ah, whatever happens, happens, right? I go in, I do my taxes, and then they're all shocked if they owe a bunch of money. Where you have the ability to do an estimate tax return before year end to see if that would be a good idea. Now, with my clients, it, this just happened this week, I said, they have so many things going on in their life. I said, how about I call you December 1st? And we look at all the items that you have already um, that you're already going to be taxed on. Let's get our arms around that because they're talking about taking a distribution out of their IRA. So I like to know a little bit later in the year 
uh, what we've all done and what they've done to create tax and then uh, coach them on how much should they take out. Bruce? Yeah, Peg, you know, the way I explain it to clients, and I, I'm not offending, I hope, I'm not trying to offend any CPAs, any tax preparers out there. I, I appreciate all of you, but I tell my clients, look, your tax preparer, your CPA, whoever does your taxes, it is not their job to proactively try to reduce the amount of tax that you pay. Their job is to accurately report the facts. If you think of it as you know, reporting the score of a sports event, I tell clients, we try to give you a better score that your tax preparer can report to the IRS. It's our job to find ways to reduce taxes over your lifetime. It is not necessarily your accountant or your CPA or your tax preparer's job to do that. They're volume business. They're, they're trying to crank out returns before April 15th. They don't have time to scrutinize every single client's financial and tax situation. They're just taking the data that you give them and trying to report accurately. If you want to change the outcome, change the score that you report, you have to work with a financial advisor. All right, 651-461-9226. Peg, you mentioned that December touch base in December ahead of the end of the year. Is that enough time to get things in order so that you're ready when the changes take place? Yeah, so when I talk about that, these are existing clients that I already have um, and our team already has our arms around their circumstance. And so during the year in the reviews, we're already doing estimates. Oh, we've already taken this capital gain. We've already taken this taxable distribution. Uh, So that in December, it's just a quick phone call that says, okay, here's where you're at. Uh, and here's what you owe, we recommend that you take another 10000 out of your IRA. So um, we're quite organized in that, that that late year call is a very short call. It's just this is what you should do. But for the rest of us, we should get on it sooner than that to make the adjustments <laughs> if you have a financial advisor, right? Yeah, most people, if they're doing it on their own, they need to do tax planning all year, just like Bruce and I do and all the advisors at Wealth Enhancement Group um, on behalf of our clients. You can't just wait till the last minute. Okay. Well, we did not get to every single question, and we have about 20 seconds left. So once again, we want to make sure that people know how to find you guys, right? You want to share your information so folks know how they can find you? Wealthenhancement.com. Wealthenhancement.com is probably the best. All right. Love it. Wealthenhancement.com. We'll check you next week, guys. Have a good day. You too, Susie.